And here we go. <laughs> Bonjour à tous, Sophia Pamela Leroy euh, sur Passport to Perspective. Euh, je vous invite aujourd'hui à écouter le podcast que j'ai enregistré avec Jason et je vais vous donner tout plein de conseils sur la France, la Jordanie où j'ai vécu pendant deux ans et aussi quelques infos sur mon expérience aux états unis J'espère que ça vous plaira, à bientôt This is the Passport to Perspectives podcast, where we discuss travel, culture, and heritage. I'm Jason Barrera. Thanks so much for listening. Welcome to Amman, Jordan, the capital and most populous city of the Arab country in Western Asia. It is bordered by Saudi Arabia to the south, Iraq to the northeast, Syria to the north, and Israel and Palestine to the west. Today, Amman is considered to be among the most liberal and modernized Arab cities. It is a major tourist destination in the region, particularly amongst Arab and European tourists. Amman is also popular in the Arab world for multinational corporations to set up their regional offices. But beyond the city of Amman, about four hours to the south, lie incredibly beautiful outdoor adventures and destinations, including Wadi Rum National Park and the increasingly popular archaeological city of Petra. The natural beauty of the country, coupled with the modern mindset, make Jordan a great destination to visit and ease into Middle Eastern tourism. Our guest today is Sophia Pamela Leroy, a native of Paris, who recently returned to France after spending two years abroad in Amman, Jordan. I'm very excited to share this podcast with you all because Sophia was so great, I had to split her episode into two parts. Part one, this episode, focuses on her time spent in Jordan, life in Amman, and tips and suggestions for you all on where to visit, where to eat, all that great tourism information. On part two, which will be released next week, Sophia puts a magnifying glass over Paris from a local's perspective. Neighborhoods, her favorite brunch spots, overlooked views, and museums, and places to visit elsewhere in France beyond Paris. All told, it was a really insightful conversation, and I think you'll really enjoy Sophia's perspectives on Amman Jordan and Paris, France. The Passport to Perspectives podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, Anchor.fm, and everywhere podcasts are distributed. Please rate, subscribe, review, and share this podcast with your friends. And if you are so generously inclined, donate to this podcast on Anchor FM. Your reviews and ratings help others find the podcast, so we certainly appreciate your support. We hope you enjoy another episode of the Passport to Perspectives podcast with the friendly Sophia Pamela Leroy. Let's welcome in now to the podcast, Sophia Pamela Leroy, straight from Paris, France. Sophia, how are you today? Ça va? I'm great. Ça va très bien. Merci. And you? I'm doing great. Thank you for coming on. It's great to reconnect after all these years. I've seen you on Instagram, globetrotting and doing your thing abroad. I understand you recently got back from two years in Amman, Jordan. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. Pretty amazing opportunity there. So just came what back. Were what were you doing in Amman? Um, I was working for a French company, a telecommunication company, and I was a product owner for B2B solutions. And basically, I was working on products that we would then integrate in a lot of African countries, but also in the Middle East. And I stayed there for two years. What is Amman like compared to Paris and what you've known growing up in France? Oh, <laughs> well, um, it's very different. Um I, I really like to say that my time there in Amman, it was an everyday adventure. 
there was always something new. So the first thing that really um, struck me when I arrived there was everything is a big mess and it's completely okay. <laughs> um, people are really welcoming. As soon as you arrive, even at the airport, a lot of people try to help you, um, especially if they know that you're not from there, which is pretty nice. And it's also very exotic because culturally speaking, it's very different. Everything is different. Um, Jordan is a Muslim country. It's very religious, but also people there are very open-minded. So it's like, I would say the perfect um, in-between to get to know Middle Eastern countries for the first time, I guess. Yeah, before you came on, I was doing a little reading on Amman and Jordan specifically. And yeah, exactly what you're saying. It's, it seems like a very progressive sort of country with ideas that are open, but they're also rooted in their Muslim religion and sort of that part of the, uh, part of the world obviously has that influence within it. Um, was that striking you as different at all coming from France, where obviously it's a westernized country, but living in Oman for two years, you're exploring different areas and you feel like, well, I'm really out of place in certain times. Yes, I think um, actually it was on a, again, on an everyday basis, just because I started being careful about things. For example, um, out of respect, I would not wear short things or maybe tight um, clothes. I would also be um, putting some distance, if I can say, between men and me. I mean, physical distance. Um, I would just shake hands with everyone. So these type of things, they don't really come to your mind when you're living in Europe in general, I guess, uh, or even in the States. In the States, I remember I had this very hard time uh, thinking, should I shake their hand? Should I give them a hug? Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, I never know what to do. So I usually just wave and I'm like, hi, oh, I'm Sophia. <laughs> Um, so in France, even people who don't know you or you meet for the first time, they would just, you know, um, do, uh, what we call bees. So they would just like kiss you on the cheeks and, uh, in a man, it's not like that at all. You need to have distance. You need to have respect. And so you have to learn all that. And, um, so that was the first thing that reminded me every single day. Hey, you're not in Europe. <laughs> um, but besides that, when you understand why, actually, it's it's not even like a, an issue or anything. You know, you do you really get um, along with it and you get used to it. And also because people are not um, how to say that they will not be mean to you if you don't understand at once. They will try to come and explain to you and be like, hey. Um, Culturally speaking, you cannot do that, or it makes me uncomfortable. Or so I was lucky enough to be surrounded by people who were really open-minded and were actually able to uh, to spot the cultural differences, if I can say, and help us with it because we're just expats there trying to understand everything around us. What did you like most about Amman? The food, the people. Oh yeah. Where, where did you hang out? Where did you travel to? <laughs> I'm sure you have a long list. Um, oh, yeah. So first of all, the people. Everybody is, uh, as I was saying, very welcoming. And I think it's the case in a lot of Arabic cultures. They will they will always try to, like, you, you'll you be part of the family real quick. 
Um, they will try to make you eat their food and to go there and go there. And they will be like, hey, I'm going there with my family this weekend. You're obviously invited or they just met you and they're already like that with you. So it's it's a great thing, I think. Um, and secondly, the the food, obviously, the food there is great. So great. Um, I had my favorite restaurants there. I took a cooking class there. I ate at my coworker's place as well. It was just food every day. So, <laughs> what is I, a what is a typical sort of dinner, lunch, breakfast? If you're waking up in a typical day in Jordan, okay, typical day. If you really want to be um, like to live the Jordanian the Jordan Jordanian, I don't know <laughs> experience fully, you would get to um, a very small they call them like kind of oven places and get what they call a manaish. So manaish is a, a very thin slice of bread, kind of round like a pizza. And then they put some za'atar and za'atar is the kind of uh, spice that they have there that they put in pretty much everything and cheese or uh, maybe sometimes a bit of meat. So that would be a breakfast. You can have yogurt. Some of them actually have rice or falafels for breakfast as well. So, um, yes, that would be the first thing. And at night, same thing. It would be falafels are everywhere all the day, um, <laughs> anytime. <laughs> um, you would have a lot of dips, like metze, so hummus, um, that I think is now internationally um, pretty famous. Yeah, very popular hummus. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> very popular. And for a good reason, because hummus is great. <laughs> yeah, who doesn't um, love hummus? Sorry? Who doesn't love hummus? Yeah, well, you know what? I like hummus, but mutabar is even better, to be honest. So mutabar is going to be kind of the same, but with eggplants. And it's... Oh, that sounds amazing. Amazing, yes. So I'm more of a mutabar fan now. <laughs> um, but yeah, so you will have this type of stuff and you have uh, kebe. Kebe, they're kind of uh, small meatballs kind of but they would be more like croquetas you know uh, like in argentina or small empanadas they would have kind of the same style but more with arabic products so yeah food is a big part of my life <laughs> and it, it especially was in, in jordan <laughs> yeah i can tell you're going on and on and on and keep going yeah, if you want to share more it's, it's great <laughs> i miss that food so much <laughs> is there a jordanian community in paris where you live um, no, not, a, not that I know of, um, for the moment. No, not really. I think that in France, um, cultures will be more from what we call in French Maghreb. So it would be Morocco, Algeria, Tunisia. So we would have more people who are like culturally from these countries than from actually Middle East, I think. Gotcha. Tell me more about Jordan and your time in Jordan. Where, what neighborhood did you live in? Did you travel to any other places mm-hmm. outside of Amman that were a little more off the beaten path that you would recommend to people who are visiting the Middle East? Okay, so I was living in a in a pretty great area in Amman, which was called Jabar Amman. And um, Amman is divided in a lot of different areas. And then you have what they call circles. And circles are just... Um, aligned on the main road, if I can say. And then you have all the areas around it. 
Um, so it was a pretty nice area, but now with a lot of things, because I used to live with a lot of French people. So like a lot of roommates, so a very big apartment. And uh, it was it was still pretty sweet. If anybody goes to Amman, I would definitely recommend to not go to this area, but to go to what we call downtown. So it's more lively and you have a big souk, so a big market and you have spices everywhere. And you have, it's like around the mosque. Um, and it's just a, a big, beautiful mess. <laughs> um, so it, it's just, it's very exotic when you arrive there. And um, same thing, people are very welcoming. So it's, it's great. So it's the first thing I would recommend in Amman. Um, then you have very nice places. But I think that if you visit Jordan, you don't want to go to a special nice hipster cafe or whatever. You can, you can find that pretty much anywhere in the world. Um, so yeah, just like dive in headfirst in this culture, get some falafel there, get some pastries, get some kefiers, which are like the big scarves. Um, yeah, get this type of stuff and then get out of Amman. Cause usually when my friends came visit, I was planning to have one day in Amman with them and then to leave. And the first place I really wanted them to go to was Wadi Ram. So a wadi is supposed to be a canyon. So usually when people say, I did a wadi, they would say, I went on a hike. But Wadi Ram is actually the only wadi which is called like that, which is not um, filled with water at all. It's just a big, beautiful desert with pink, reddish sand and where Bedouins live. And you don't, you arrive there and you just cut from the entire world. You're disconnected it's just it's the most quiet place I've ever been to in my entire life it's gorgeous and um, the Bedouins will actually take you to the nicest places where you can go on a hike on rocks you can just walk around Uh, for some people who like it you can just play with camels Uh, you can see how they make the bread how they make the tea you get a tea looking at the sunset and then you just go back to one of these big tents you have dinner with everyone and then you just spend that entire night in a very peaceful place so that's i think one of my favorite places in the world now and then go visit petra of course (laughs) but i think more people know about petra so um, can you explain petra for the listeners Mm -hmm. um so Petra is a is a very beautiful place that was it was discovered um I can't remember when exactly but basically the person who discovered it arrived in just walked between two big mountains that had split and when you walk through it at the end it just saw a very big temple carved in the rock and then people started looking for more things and they discovered that it was an entire city but everything is carved in the rock. Nothing was taken from somewhere else to be put there. So it makes it very beautiful. And the rocks there are kind of brown and reddish, and it's just gorgeous. Um, It's an entire day of hiking, though. (laughs) You'll be walking a lot if you go to Petra and have only one day. But it's... I don't even have words for this. (laughs) It's really one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. So, yeah, stay a bit at Petra and then go to the Dead Sea and have the amazing experience of floating there. Um, I, I never had a feeling like that 
but it was very sweet. So usually you just go there, put a lot of mud that it usually is around. Uh, next to the Dead Sea, you have a lot of uh, big buckets with a lot of mud. You can put that on your entire body. And then you rinse in the Dead Sea while floating there for a bit. And um, for guys or ladies, by the way, do not shave before you go there because there's a lot of salt in it and it's just terrible. Um, but yeah, the, the feeling is great. And according to the place where you're going to go in Jordan to do that, you will see facing Palestine um, and Egypt. And I think, but I'm not too sure about that, Syria as well. So it's also very interesting on a geographically geographical point of view, I guess. <laughs> That's so awesome. Thank you for the the tips, the insight, <laughs> the recommendations. I think what's really great about that is when you travel to places, the urban areas tend to more or less give you this, a similar feeling because they're big cities, but then mm-hmm. you can really experience a country and a culture when you get out of the city. Exactly. Um, and I'm assuming you just got out to these places via bus or train. Um, so, yeah, usually you can do, well, no, actually it's a bit hard. Usually when you go there, you have to rent a car. So you can do it from a man and then drive. Um, the road is actually part of the trip. It's very beautiful. You have two main roads, one which is which goes along the Dead Sea, and the other one goes in the mountains. But without a car, it's going to be a bit hard. You have buses, though, um, but it depends how you plan your trip. If you want to go from Petra to Wadi Ram and Aqaba for the Red Sea, for example, and go back to the Dead Sea, all that, it will require a car. Because from one place to the other, the transportation system is not that great. However, if you just go from Amman to Petra and want to go back, for example, stay the night there and go back the day after, you have buses and you take just a jet bus. You leave at 6 a.m., arrive there at 10.30-ish, and then you can spend your day there, uh, spend the night at the hotel right next to the Petra, for example, and then take the bus back to Amman the day after. So it would really depend on how you plan your trip. How about when you're in Amman? How was your Arabic? Did you oh. <laughs> go, go crazy with Arabic or were you able to get by with your commando, your all the languages that you speak with the English and French? Um, at first, Arabic is very hard, especially if you speak French, English, or any like Latin, German language. Um, it's hard because there are a lot of letters and sounds that we don't have. Um, just like, for example, jota in Espanol or, uh, I don't know, enye or letters or sounds like these. Our Arabic has, I think, at least like five letters or maybe, yeah, around five. Uh, anyway, letters that I had never heard in my entire life. And I didn't even know what they were. They have a special a sign for it and everything. So it's a bit hard. Also, Arabic from one country to the other, even if they're in the same region, it will change. So sometimes people will understand you and you won't understand them and vice versa. But with just a few sentences, you can actually get by. Just know how to say hello, goodbye, please, this kind of stuff. And I think you'll be just fine because people are there are very welcoming. So... They will help you out. Did you notice a strong community of people from Europe or people from France or people from 
the United States visiting Amman because it's such a international global city that is kind of in the center of the world? Yes. Um, so I, I took a few classes of Arabic when I arrived there and I met two German people, one Romanian, two Italians. Uh, there were a lot of French people too, because I was studying at the French Institute. So yeah, there are a lot of French people there. Um, I don't know if we could call them a community. I think that most of us knew each other because we had the same kind of contract of working abroad. And for security reasons, usually like they try to uh, introduce you to each other or have events or everything at the embassy, for example. Uh, and there are a lot of Americans too there. Uh, as a community itself, besides the people working with me, I don't know. I think we would have been maybe 60 French people, including just um, long-term expats and their kids, but I'm not too sure. And yeah, a very big American community. Yeah, we're How everywhere. We like to mess yeah, yeah, you guys are everywhere. <laughs> um I learned something after two years there is just that I was one of the people who stayed the longest there for a contract. Amman is just a city when you go to, to study, for example, for six months or a year, or you go there to work for an NGO because there are a lot of refugees coming, especially from Syria. And so the NGOs there are very big. So they need a lot of people from all around the world. And, um, these people are just like not staying that long, you know, they, they wouldn't, uh, they wouldn't be able to either because they don't really have real jobs. If I can say, when I say real jobs, like long contracts, long-term contracts, um, it will be more based on missions. So I kept meeting people and they were just leaving a few months after. And I did that. I feel like for, for two years, I kept meeting people and saying goodbye. So it was kind of like the hardest part, I think. Of living there but yeah everybody says that Amman is just for passers-by you know and to discover how beautiful Jordan is and then they just leave but um that was that's very funny I have a small anecdote about this um I I met someone he used to live here and when I say here is Jordan sorry <laughs> um he used to live in Jordan and he came back for his holiday after he left the country which I thought was pretty interesting um so he missed it so much that he had to come back you know he had lived there for a while though but he still did tell me about a few of your more memorable adventures or experiences in jordan and during your time in jordan i know you already mentioned mm -hmm. some of the places you visited away from amman and petra and the yeah. hidden city mm -hmm. how about any interactions with the locals things that stood out to you that you still recall to this day um, I remember that one of my friends came visit and so we decided to rent a car and I wanted to go to a wadi, which is called Wadi Mujib. Wadi Mujib is on the road to the Dead Sea. So I had seen the entrance so many times and I was like, hey, we should really do this. It's a bit adventurous with a lot of water and it can be very fun. So we were on the road there and for some reason I put in the, in, in the GPS uh, maps thing um, that that's where I wanted to go, but then I didn't check the exact name and we got lost. So <laughs> we got lost, but not on the road to the Dead Sea, which is the biggest road where people could have helped us. And we just arrived in a small village in the middle of nowhere. And when I say middle of nowhere, there were barely enough space for the car to get there. <laughs> oh my gosh. 
Yeah. <laughs> and we were really lost. And a lot of kids and teenagers surrounded the car and they were like, they didn't speak English. So it was like a lot of body language and signs and maps. And <laughs> so we tried to explain to them where we wanted to go. Um, but all they, all they did was to give us cucumbers. <laughs> don't ask me why. I don't know why. <laughs> um, they just took them out of their pockets and they gave, gave them to us. So it really made us laugh. But um, <laughs> the, the, the thing that I love about this is just that um, people didn't wait for us to ask for help. They just came up to us and they were so happy to meet people. And I just loved it. I feel like that would uh, really, really sum up my experience in Jordan. Anywhere you go, you can be lost or anything. You'll always get a smile or, in that case, cucumbers. <laughs> if you don't know. <laughs> That's awesome. That's a great story. Thank you for sharing. Okay. Let's say, hypothetically, I'm in Amman for 24 hours. Yes. Where are you going to bring me to eat, drink, and hang out, dance late into the night? Okay, so um, first of all, Amman is a place where you eat, but not really when you go out that much. Um, I think it's a cultural thing too. So there are a few places, but don't expect anything too crazy. It's not a city where you're going to have clubs every street. Um, first thing though, I would take you to a Jordanian slash Syrian restaurant, uh, which is... For people who go there between Dwarawal and um, Dwar Talat. And these these Dwar, as I said, there are the circles that I was talking about earlier, uh, around which all the areas are. And this Syrian restaurant is called Rosa Damasena. And I think it's the most amazing food I've had there. So I kept going there all the time. So you would get a lentil soup with lemon juice and then maybe a lot of dips um, grilled halloumi, which is the local cheese, and maybe a fatouche, which is the local salad. And then we would have, I guess, uh, a fateh. And fateh is yogurts and breadcrumbs with chickpeas, and maybe sometimes they have chicken as well. And then you have seasoning on top and pomegranate. So said like that, it sounds very weird, but it's actually one of the most amazing things you've tried. So you would have that. And then I think I would take you to a rooftop, which is called the District, which is in the same area, I think, like 10 minutes walk. So you have a very nice view um, on the city when you go there. So that's, that's actually what makes this place so, so nice. And then we would go to the only club that I know there. Um, <laughs> not a crazy one, a very small one, actually, which is called The Cube. And... Um, yeah, it's it would be fun. It depending on the night, it would be just electro night or just a lot of mainstream music. But I think that would still be a good time. Sounds so fun. Thank you for the food. Sounds amazing. I, I can't. <laughs> we have a we have a large community of um, Middle Eastern population here in California. I'm not nice. so sure about the Jordanian community, um, but seems like there's a lot of overlap within the flavors and obviously the geographical yeah. region influences the cuisine, but I'd, yes, love I to, I'd love for you to bring me back there someday and be great. I would love that. <laughs> so how are you feeling about your return to France? I know you mentioned you've been back, you know, five or six times. 
while you're yes. in Jordan, but now you're back officially. And there's always that sort of feeling of reverse culture shock or settling mm-hmm. back in. And you've only been back for two or three weeks. I think we've been trying to set up this podcast. Yeah. How are you feeling mm-hmm. just personally? Um, well, I'm trying to readjust to French life um, and especially to Parisian life, which is very busy and pretty exhausting, actually. Um, there is a lot of social things to do. So you will get a drink with that person and get, get to dinner and then go dancing and then all these things that I was not used to anymore. So that's that's the nice part. Um, but I still do miss Jordan and not just for the blue skies all year long. <laughs> I miss Jordan for, I guess, the different type of mess that I was mentioning earlier, um, which was pretty nice. And yeah, you know, it was just a very peaceful way of living there. Um, even in the mess, if it makes sense. <laughs> yeah, totally. And, but um, it's not a big city. There are not cars. Uh, there, are, there are a lot of cars, but not everywhere. And if people are yelling, they're just actually just trying to get the attention of someone. It's nothing too crazy, you know. Um, and yeah, people smile and they talk to you. So... I think in Paris it's a bit different because it's a big city. So I'm just adjusting to that. And um, yeah, I'm missing all the food that I mentioned earlier. So I'm going to go to a, a, a restaurant very soon, I think, a Syrian or maybe a Lebanese because we would find a Lebanese pretty quickly here in France. 